1: Berry chantilly cake and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, Awesomes. Welcome back to Sorta Awesome. I'm your host, Meg Teets. I am so happy to be joined today by my very dear friend and my longtime co-host, Kelly Gordon. Hi, Kelly. How are you? Hi, Meg. Hey Awesomes. I'm really good. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. You had such a fun idea for our conversation today that we could maybe do like a part two or a volume two of a conversation we've had previously on Sorta Awesome, what we've been learning lately. What got this on your mind? Have you just been like, you know what? I am just learning so good much stuff. Let's keep talking about it.
0: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I always joke, like I'm really not an Enneagram five, but it's like sometimes I feel like I have a five wing, which I'm a seven, so that's not possible. <laughs> but I love to learn. And the cool thing is, is that yeah. in my job, that's what I do. I'm like paid to learn and to learn new things. Okay, so this is really what it is, Meg, is that if we want to say that sorta awesome is the best kind of kind of girlfriend chat, this is what you would hear from me if we went out to lunch. I actually saw a meme yesterday that was probably a TikTok originally, where somebody's like, "I haven't talked to my best friend in 10 hours, which means that she doesn't know the two books that I really want to read, that I might start jogging, that I've decided three different trips and also you know discarded two, like all the things that happen like that go through your brain. And I'm like, I kind of want to just do a show like that with Meg where I'm like, here's what I'm thinking about. Here's some things I've realized. And we're going to lump it it. under the umbrella of here's what I'm learning because it's true. We're always learning. Yes. We are always learning. I know you're not
1: a five, you are a seven, which is still in the Head yes, center, you know, true. you fiveses. Fives hmm That's good. Five sixes, yes. Five sixes.
0: We're very cerebral. We're very cerebral. Mm-hmm. Yes,
1: five sixes and sevens. So cerebral, and that expresses itself in so many ways. So I love that. I love that this is our just kind of sit down and unpack what we've been learning, what's on our minds. And I'm so glad we get to do a a volume too. Maybe we'll make it a more regular series. Yeah, it's kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got all of that coming up for you today on Sorta Awesome. Welcome back, Awesomes, to the show that loves to support you in becoming smart, strong, and social. If you have been looking for amazing women to connect with in a community that will support you no matter what age or stage of life you are in, I'm so thrilled to tell you that you've come to the right place because Sorta Awesome is not just a podcast, it is also your community on the go. We would love to have you connect with us outside of your podcast app in one of our communities on social media. On Instagram, we are at Sorta Awesome Show. We have so many fun things going on over there. So much awesome to bring to your Instagram feed. And of course, on Facebook, you can find us in our Sorta Awesome Hangout, where for eight years we have been coming together, just, you know, doing life together in the silliest of ways sometimes, keeping Mm -hmm. each other entertained, keeping each other informed of what's good in pop culture, but also walking through some of the more serious stuff of life together in the Hangout. We would love to have you join us there. You can just go to Facebook and search Sorta Awesome Hangout. You'll find us there. So if you're watching us on YouTube at youtube.com slash at Sorta Awesome, please know that we would love to have you come over and join us in our social media communities as well. Kelly, there's been definitely an uptick in people who are checking out the videos of sort of awesome as we're talking, which is making me a lot more conscious of how I am on camera.
0: (laughs) Yes, I know. It's just how it is. It's the thing, right? And I was joking right before we hit record that my best place to record most of the time is in my basement because I can be alone. (laughs) And I do have a window behind me because it's a walkout basement. It's really my exercise room is where I am. But the dog can't see much out this window. Every other window right now, she's like looking. Are there squirrels? Yes. Are there chipmunks? Are there other people? And then she like loses her mind, Meg. Do your dogs bark? Are they barky dogs? Oh, we have one extremely barky dog. One of our three is very barky. So just finding a spot that you can be and you can podcast isn't always the most glamorous looking spot. But here we are. This is all about keeping it real. We are strong, smart, and social women, even if we're in the basement or in our bedroom or (laughs) in our closet.
1: (laughs) That's right. That's right. Exactly. Oh, my goodness. Well, we would love to share with you guys what we have been learning, and we're going to get to that in a few minutes. Part of it does have to do, in fact, with being on video. So we're going to talk more about that here in a minute. But first, Kelly, let's go ahead and start this show the way we always do. With our awesomes of the week, awesome of the week is the moment in the show where we stop and talk about whatever is making life a little more awesome right now. Whether it is a book or a TV show, music, movie, podcast, products, apps, recipes—you name it, we got it. And there's probably something awesome in our lives that we can share it with you. So,
0: Kelly, what do you have that's awesome this week? Well, I am bringing a recipe. To the awesome community, which Ooh. it's been a while. It's been a while since I brought a recipe, yes. which is usually my favorite thing. I just feel like I haven't found a whole lot of recipes this winter that have risen to the sort of awesome, awesome of the week threshold. You know, I've been mm. making a lot mm-hmm. of my favorites. A lot of those I've already shared, which you can find at KellygordonMN.com. You can find recipes mm-hmm. there. But this one I think is especially funny because it's a full circle recipe. So friend of the show, Sarah Bessie. Listens to the podcast and in her weekly newsletter will sometimes share recipes that we've shared on the sort of awesome yes. podcast or that I've shared on the sort of awesome podcast with her readers because she'll make it and she'll be like Kelly knows how I like to cook we have the same flavor profile or something you know it also yeah, kids at home yeah, yeah. so she's like what Kelly recommends I like so this recipe comes to me from Sarah Bessie's newsletter not oh, one I recommend it
1: but again
0: <laughs> I love it. It is it's funny because sometimes you find those friends who are like, "Yes, you cook like I cook. You like some of the same flavors yes. that I like." And so, right. I'm going to trust what you recommend. So this mm-hmm. is actually a soup and it's on Half Baked Harvest website. So Tegan is the blogger there, the food blogger, and she's brilliant and I'm sure a lot of people know her. This is actually a soup, which I feel like a little weird bringing this time of year in spring because I usually am, I'm just done with soup. I'm ready to move on to Other foods than soups and stews. However, this is such a good, a good soup, you guys. I think I'm going to have to make it for a lot longer. Like I might be eating this in the summer, which was sacrilege a few years ago. I'm like, I do not eat soup in the summer. Like no, Mm -hmm. I have Mm -hmm. six freaking long months in Minnesota to eat those things. I'm not eating it in the summer, but this is so good. And I just found it. So it is the salsa verde chicken and rice tortilla soup. Oh, well, sign me up. I'm a fan already. Yeah. So thinking about all those flavors, so I'm gonna read you kind of what's in the ingredient list. Maybe you're like me and you can kind of be like, okay, I can see these flavors. So it's more of a salsa verde soup. So you actually use a jar, like it's two cups of salsa verde, which is about a jar that you can get in the grocery store. But you're using boneless, skinless chicken thighs, onion and olive oil. You're gonna cook those up. You're gonna add some spices like chili powder, smoked paprika, oregano, salt and pepper. Then you add Poblano peppers, which oh my word! I love poblano peppers, and it says one to two, but I've been going to the grocery store, and I don't know. Poblanos are kind of new to me. I started to buy them a couple of years ago at the farmers market at the end of summer in Minnesota, and I would just kind of use them until they were gone, and then they were gone. So now I'm like, well, it's definitely not farmers market season in Minnesota right now. I have to go to the grocery store, like an actual grocery store. Mate, we've talked before, like where we shop is like Costco, Trader (laughs) Joe's, Target. You know. They all have their own specialties, but they don't always just have everything. Exactly. Making a trip to a regular grocery store and the poblano peppers are like, they're huge. Huge. I mean, they're huge Huge, usually, but like they're huge. So I've been using one, but -hmm. it just gives it that really nice flavor. Then you put in your jar of salsa verde. You've got chicken stock, some cilantro. Of course, you could leave that off. And then after that cooks down enough so that the chicken thighs are shreddable, which doesn't take very long. They cook very quickly maybe half an hour. Yeah. You're going to add in already cooked rice or you could add in uncooked mm. rice and just add in a little bit more liquid because of course that's going to, you know, For sure. soak it up. Oh, and black beans. I forgot the black beans. So it's got mm. all of these wonderful kind of if you know the salsa verde, you know you've got those it's like a fresh green sort of flavor. It's a broth-based soup. It's not heavy. It's got the chicken, yes. it's got the beans. It's got the rice, which I feel like is a really interesting touch. And then of course yep. you can eat it with all the normal things that you would eat on a tortilla soup like tortilla chips, strips, more cilantro, sour cream, if you're going to you know, add a little bit of heft to it. But it is so good. The flavors are so kind of unique. It's unlike anything else that I make. Yeah. Fantastic. And you know, the biggest thing is when everybody in your family is like, this is amazing. Please Uh make it again. And that's exactly what happened. And I will say that when I first made it, because it's more of a green base, you know, it's almost like it's brown and green. So you're serving Mm -hmm. soup to your family and you're like, it's wonderful. But they're looking at it going, Oh, that's very brown and green. And then they ate it. They're like, okay. Especially kids. Yes. They were sus. They were like, "Mm." Yeah. (laughs) They were like it's so much better than it looks.
1: (laughs) That sounds exactly like a soup that you would get like at a Tex Mex place in Mm -hmm. Austin. Every flavor that you mentioned is like, oh, this is very Tex Mex. And I because of that, I can absolutely see it continuing to make and serve it through the summer because it just has all of the salsa, the poblano, all of the flavors just are very summery in a way. Right.
0: Well, and even the smoked paprika, it's got a little bit of a smokiness Mm -hmm. to it. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you're right. It's very Tex-Mex. Fantastic. And really pretty quick too. I put in more chicken thighs, like her recipe calls for one pound. I just put in two because I know my family. But it's an easy soup to kind of, you know, to adjust that way. It's very forgiving. So we'll link to it in the show notes, of course. And hat tip to Sarah Bessie for cluing me in to Tegan's recipe on Half-Baked Harvest. But you guys, this is at the threshold for Awesome of the Week. It meets the criteria. So you should go try it. It's a high bar for sure.
1: This is so funny because this very rarely happens. You bring recipes often. I'm actually bringing a food thing that has genuinely been. Well, I love food things. I'm like, don't get oh, excited. This is my favorite show already. <laughs> don't get too excited, though. See, since you bring <laughs> recipes often, you have a high bar for yourself in terms of what makes the cut.
0: Since I rarely bring food things, you're going to be like, okay, I no, okay, tell me, tell basic. me. I'll be the judge of that, Miss Teets. Okay.
1: This has genuinely been the awesome of my week the past couple of weeks because for the first time in my 45 years on this planet, I realized I don't really like a hard-boiled egg. But you know what I love? Is a soft-boiled egg.
0: <gasps> and I can yes. make them my own self. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but they feel fancy, don't they? Is it's one of those things that you're like, I guess I could do that.
1: I guess I could they do that. They feel fancy and I do not know why they feel fancy. They are a Easier to make than hard boiled eggs. And then, B, they're so versatile. You can put them in so many things. I think I finally realized I love, love, love the convenience of just grabbing a boiled egg out of the fridge just to Mm -hmm. add a little extra protein for a little snack, whatever. I finally have come to terms with and given myself permission to admit that I hate the texture of a hard boiled egg
0: yolk. When it's too, like, rubbery.
1: Yeah, it's too rubbery, too chalky. Okay. Just doesn't have great (laughs) mouthfeel.
0: But even when you said chalky, I feel like all the liquid in my mouth somehow got sucked out just by hearing that word.
1: Okay. Thank you. That's the experience on a sensory level for me with hard-boiled eggs. But I love the convenience of having a great protein-filled snack that I can just grab. And- I think I probably wouldn't have ever even realized to myself that I can make soft-boiled eggs myself if it weren't for my kids, especially my teenage daughters, wanting soft-boiled eggs to put in their ramen. And so I was like, okay, yeah, we can do that. So Kelly, as it turns out, Bon Appetit has a very, very, I say recipe, it's not a recipe, but it's just like the technique. It's the technique though, yes. Mm-hmm. For making what they call jammy soft-boiled yes. eggs. Yes, yes. Spoiler alert, you guys, it takes six and a half minutes of those eggs in boiling water. So you bring your pot to a boil. You've got your water boiling in there. You get out your eggs. They can go straight from the fridge to the pot. You don't have to let them come to room temp or anything. You just are you lower putting them in into the boiling, boiling water, water. Or are
0: you putting them mm-hmm. in the water and then bring it to a boil?
1: Put them in the boiling water. It's already boiling. Lower them down in there. We have one of those little fry skimmer thingies, you yes. know, it, like mm-hmm, for when slider. you're frying food. Mm-hmm. I just use that. Yeah. Okay. Lower them in there. Six and a half minutes boiling. Put them straight into an ice bath after they're done boiling. Bada bing, bada boom. You have got a whole bowl full of soft boiled eggs. And so, yes, we've been putting them in ramen. I've been adding them to salads because now we are kind of getting, at least down here, we're kind of getting back into Mm -hmm. salad season. I also have been toasting some sourdough bread and then I can't eat sugar in the mornings anymore because I'm very old. and <laughs> It messes up my blood sugar. So I have just embraced eating meat at breakfast beyond the traditional eggs and bacon. So I'll grab maybe leftover salmon or something like that and put it on the sourdough toast and then put a little soft-boiled egg on top. Yes. Some sprinkles, some everything, but the bagel seasoning on that. And it feels like a really filling, protein-packed breakfast or snack later in the day. I just like I'm in love with soft-boiled eggs. And I'm really proud of myself for
0: making them myself. No, I get that. (laughs) I mean, I know it sounds silly. You don't need to be embarrassed because we all do this. There are (laughs) things that we're like, I bet everybody else has been doing this for years. And it literally never occurred to me that I could do this in my own home. And it's not that hard. And it revolutionizes because it's a basic thing. You know, like what I brought, a recipe is one meal, but this is like every day in mm-hmm. different ways you can use it. So that makes total sense. I think this is also the time of year that I remember eggs. <laughs> it's like spring. Yep. And so you're like, oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. Eggs are not as cheap as they used to be, but still not super expensive source of protein. There's so many ways to cook them and just to keep them around as a snack. Like you said, we made yes. doubled eggs for Easter. And I always forget, like not everybody in my family loves deviled eggs, but I'm like, these are amazing. And they're just sitting around. I love deviled eggs. so easy to like pop a couple when you're like, I'm just rummaging. And I'm like, if I would just eat these and then walk away for 20 minutes, you're going to be fine. You know, like you don't need to keep grabbing for crackers or Lord knows those mini Cadbury eggs from Easter, which are the bane of my existence (laughs) because I've got (laughs) a Costco bag. Did you get a Costco bag? (sighs) No, I can't. I can't allow it for myself. I, this is my first year <laughs> and maybe my last because it's not gone yes. well. I mean, it has been wonderful. But I was yes. saying to my daughter last night, I'm like, it's in my secret candy stash, like a big mm-hmm. bag. I mean, thousands probably of eggs originally in yeah. the little ones. Anyway, it's really easy to go there. Go toward the eggs instead, <laughs> Kelly. The little good angel on my shoulder is like, go get a deviled egg. Eggs are good for you. <laughs>
1: Not a chocolate egg. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Speaking of hard-boiled eggs, before we wrap this up, have you seen the boiling egg hack that went viral on TikTok? I a did weeks ago. Yeah. Have you ever done that? So the technique is that you take your egg and you get a spoon, and this is when it's still raw, and you kind of thunk the spoon onto the more round part of the bottom of the egg, I guess, until you can hear like a click, and that means what? That the membrane somehow yeah. has separated from the inner shell. And it's supposed to make them easier to boil. You look skeptical. Easier to peel, like, right? Yeah. Easier yep. to peel mm-hmm. is what it's supposed to do for the egg. But you look
0: skeptical. I don't think that that's it. I think that there are ways to make eggs easier to peel that have more science behind them <laughs> than, <that. laughs> than just like thunking it on the bottom. I like the idea of you do want that membrane. That's what makes it mm-hmm. easy to peel or not to peel. But I think yeah. it has more to do with the freshness of the egg. And also Ooh. the water temperature. So like putting them yeah. in cold water afterwards versus you know oh, just yeah. like leaving them in the boiling water or not putting them in cold water, things like oh, that. Yeah. So I didn't yeah. try it because I was like, mm. side eye, <laughs> side eye Gen Z <laughs> cooking techniques. I'm like, you can try it. You can try it. But, you know. Yes. <laughs> did you try it well, or those... have your girls tried it? We have it.
1: I have found genuinely that if you put those eggs straight into an ice bath, like mostly ice with some water in there, I have found that that pretty much does the trick for making them easy to boil. But hey, give it a try and, yeah. and see what
0: happens. Because... Report back. Tell me if I'm yeah. old lady, get off of my lawn energy here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, those are our awesomes of the week this week. And we will have links in the show notes for you guys. We always love to hear what is awesome in your life. I cannot tell you how many times that those of us on the Sort of Awesome team have found some new awesome discovery in our lives thanks to you guys. So again, on Instagram, we're at Sort of Awesome Show and in the Hangout group every week, we talk Awesome of the Week on Friday mornings. We would love to hear all about yours. So Kelly and I are going to be sharing some of the things that we've been learning lately when we come right back. Orale, asums. Hey, if you have summer travel coming up, my go-to travel hack for you is Babel. Whether you're a seasoned traveler or if you're going out on your first adventure, communication is key to fully experiencing a new culture, and that is where Babel comes in. Babel is the language learning app that sold more than 10 million subscriptions, and that's thanks to Babel's addictively fun and easy bite-sized language lessons, there's still time to learn a new language, you guys, before you leave on your summer travels. I really cannot emphasize enough how Babbel has crafted their language learning program so you can learn it in little bite sizes every day. Seriously, with Babbel, you only need 10 minutes to complete a lesson so you can start having real life conversations in as little as three weeks. My favorite thing is that Babbel's speech recognition technology helps you improve your pronunciation and accent so you don't sound like such a silly tourist when you're trying out your new language skills in a different country. I've been working on Spanish this year, but you guys, there's 14 languages in Babbel that you can choose from. So no matter where you're traveling, or if you just want a fun summer project for yourself, you're going to find a language that you love learning with Babbel. Right now, get up to 55% off your subscription when you go to babbel.com slash awesome. That's babbel.com slash awesome for up to 55% off of your subscription. Babbel, language for life. Okay, we are back. And Kelly, before we start to talk about the things that we're learning lately, I'm going to say this again. You are probably tired of hearing this. I'm sure the awesomes are. I can't stop myself, however, from saying what I have learned through doing yoga daily this year Mm. is one of the most life-changing things that I've ever experienced. And I keep telling you because you've been <laughs> gently encouraging us all. Oh, it's making me so happy. Yours.
0: Yes, and I relate.
1: <laughs> well, my friend and superstar awesome Kate Nixon Anania and I are still checking in with each other daily. We've been exploring through Adrian Yoga with Adrian's archives and sometimes picking from her past playlists of 30 days of yoga. Sometimes now that YouTube knows I'm obsessed with Yoga with Adrian, I'll open YouTube in the morning, it'll be like, "Here's five Adrian videos. Wow. Which one do you want?" <laughs> and so sometimes I'll just pick them randomly. Yeah. But Kate and I were texting just this morning about it, and she's like, "I think we're probably at about hundred days of yoga at this point." Bet, and yeah. this morning was really powerful for me. I was working through some feelings about a thing, and in the past, it might have even been a situation where I didn't even want to get the yoga mat out. I just wanted to kind of stew in my feelings. But I went ahead and did it and I found I was getting like really emotional as I was going through the practice. But it was in such a good way yeah. to feel the feelings physically while I'm also moving my body in ways that remind me of how strong I am, of how balanced I am, of how centered I am. So even on the bad days, yep. doing yoga has still been so powerful for me. And another thing, I know this is just such a meme in popular culture right now, you know, how mad we all are that taking a little walk every day is really good for your (laughs) mental health. When we were in Dallas for the Taylor Swift concert, I did not get any walks in. It was just the schedule, the exhaustion, all of it. I did not walk. And I could feel the impact, Kelly, by the time we got back. It was like, I was missing that component of my general mental health and well-being and these stupid walks I do every day. So I stupid continue to walks. learn how important those are.
0: Yes. It's like, I remember there's so many good memes where it's like me out of my stupid daily walk for my stupid mental yes. health. But it's yes. true. It's true. It's true. Yeah, it yeah, is. It really I is. very much relate to that. Well, let's get into it. What are some of the things you've been learning lately? Okay. So my first one, actually, I mean, even having you said that, I'm like, oh, man, I could talk about yoga or the fact that when we went on spring break trip in March to Florida, the first place we stayed had a workout room and I went down to it one day and it had an actual Peloton. So long-time oh. listeners will know that I have a exercise bike here. It's an Echelon and I use the Peloton app with it but I was like, Ooh, it's like a real one. Yes. So I logged into uh-huh. my account and using an actual Peloton with the big screen. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, you guys, I'm like, <laughs> how can I justify buying one? Because there's the big screen, the component, I don't know. And the bike, the equivalents of the pressure, you know, like when you're changing how heavy the road is are not the same. Yeah. So like, even though I have Ooh. a chart I'm like, their yeah. 50% on a Peloton It's a little heavier than my bike's 50%. So oh, it's like, even that is interesting. So even that I've learned mm-hmm. where I was like, how do I <laughs> <laughs> justify yes. expense? I don't know. I have to get more people in my household. That's my technique right now. Like I just got a okay. Spotify family that I'm making mm-hmm. my teenage kids yes. give me money for it. So I'm like, who can I strap in to say like, will you pay for part of this with me so that I can actually justify doing it? So those aren't even things I've actually learned on my list, but those are things I've learned.
1: Yes. Yes. I know. So funny. Okay. What you got? Okay. So the real thing
0: is what I was going to say. This is something I don't know. This kind of goes back to the soft boiled eggs thing. Do you guys know how awesome bars are? Cookie bars, not bars like when you drink alcohol. (laughs) Why did I think going to yeah, I know. a bar? As it was coming out of my <laughs> mouth, I was like, "I'm going to need to clarify." It's like this is a bigger revelation. Where are we than going? <laughs> it's been a really long winter. <laughs> yes. It has been. It has been. But no, not the alcohol kind. Cookie bars, which in the Upper Midwest are known as bars. So okay. I'm just used to hearing it bars. You know. It's a meme, but a you know a stereotype for a reason. Sort of a thing is that when you go to okay. like a church buffet, sort of a big potluck, you're going to find all these different kinds of bars. And maybe because of that, that also mm-hmm. as we've discussed before, I'm not a huge cookie person. So like right. that's never been my thing. It's just never been like if I'm going to make a cookie, I make a cookie. A few weeks ago, I was like, the darn thing about cookies is they take a while. And yeah, at least with our families, you know, like having six people, seven people in a house, like cookies go quickly too. So I feel like I'm always making something, which I do like to bake, but still it occurred to me that instead of making lots of cookies, I could make one cookie, which is basically what a bar is. It is Mm -hmm. one big cookie. So you don't have to make all the little things. So in about 40 minutes, I looked up a recipe. I like literally Googled best bars, M&Ms, something like that. So I was like, let's make like some sort of a M&M chocolate chip cookie bar. Found a recipe. It used melted butter. So the thing that it really pulled me in is my recipe for my very favorite chocolate chip cookies, which I've talked about before on the podcast, uses melted butter because they get kind mm-hmm. of a brownie-like texture where they're a little chewy, yeah. but they have that little crinkly mm-hmm. thing. So they were like, these bars have kind of a crinkle top. And I was like, okay, sold. Ooh, okay. Made those, spread them out in the pan, Use parchment paper. So I'm not even having to wash the pan. You can lift them out, cut them easier. You guys, they were so good. My kids were like, these are amazing. I felt like I'd invented mm. something, which I'm like, they're just mm-hmm. cookies cut in a square. <laughs> but I didn't have yeah. to you know, individually babysit them or take them off or like then find places for them to cool. It was so much quicker and easier yes. than making cookies. Yeah. But the end product was essentially the same as far as what I was giving my family. So I was like, what have I not been doing all my life? Why have I not been making more bars? especially this yeah. time of year when I'm still packing lunches. I feel like I have some recipes for bars that are summery. Like I've shared mm. before on here, some I have a fresh strawberry bar recipe. Mm-hmm. But lots of those, my summer bar recipes, they fall apart easier. They're not very transportable. They're wonderful, but they're not going to fit well in a lunchbox with a 12-year-old who tends to throw his backpack mm-hmm. across the room every few minutes, you know, like yeah. whatever. Yes. So yes. these, a regular bar like a brownie is going to hold up They stayed fresh long enough, you know, for again, probably lasted five days, six days with my family, but that was enough. Fantastic. Mind blown. Who knew something that I've learned that bars are so easy and basically just one big cookie. So why are we making them more? Let's make them more. That's what I've learned.
1: I love that. I feel like this captures the essence of that Upper Midwest work ethic and efficiency, but like in a delicious way. Yes, that's exactly it. There's no need to waste time rolling out cookies or, you know, anything. No, 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 no. no. Forget
0: that. No, just put it all in a pan. Slap the whole batter in one big pan, bake it up, Marge, and then we're going to cut it and we're going to take it and we're going to eat it. Like you can hear it in the voice, you know, when you talk about bars. I'm always like, you guys, (laughs) you guys, I made bars. How do you do that? <laughs> because people literally talk like that around me, Meg. I know. But it's so funny because it is a stereotype, but I was like, I guess I should have been making bars. Barb knew. Barb <laughs> brings the bars. She says, you got to have them. And she's right. So make some bars. I'm dying. <laughs> that is so funny. And
1: I also do wonder if they're regionally popular because when you said, like, if you go to a church potluck or a big family dinner or something, there's going to be a lot of bars. I don't know if that's the same here. Here? I'm trying to think. Maybe they are there, and I'm just not paying attention. I feel like down here, when you go to church potluck or like my husband's family has a big family reunion every Mm -hmm. summer and everyone brings food, I feel like it's going to be a lot of pies. But I don't (gasps)
0: necessarily think a lot of cookies and bars. Okay, it's definitely bars up here. It's not pies. That is a stereotype. We're going to have to ask the awesomes. We'll do a poll and see, like regionally, what's the thing, but. You get pies? Meg, where have I been all yeah, my life? I need to become a to church potluck. <laughs> we would have like yes. maybe one pie that somebody would pick up, but it wasn't a table of pies. No, not at all. Really? Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, that's fascinating. Oh, we definitely have to talk to the community about this yes. and see regionally what's on the dessert table at the potluck. Yes. So great. Okay. Well, my first one that I've been learning is not nearly as delicious as that. But it does kind of fit into the efficiency realm. Okay. So (laughs) this is an app. And again, this is not even anything groundbreaking. It is now a native to the iOS. It's called Freeform. Have you played around with
0: this at all? Yes, I haven't played around with it, but I've seen
1: it. Okay, so it's in the newest update, I guess, iOS 16 or whatever. And I had seen it on my iPhone and I was like, I opened it and I was like, oh, I see it's like a notes style app. And I didn't think much of it because I do have an iPad mini where I have some of the third party, like from the app store apps that are for note taking. Well, I don't know how or why, but I feel like I just had an actual epiphany that because the iCloud exists and that this is an Apple app that I can use that app On both my iPad mini and my iPhone, I'm going to give you a visual of what I mean when I talk about this. But what I love about it and what I've learned is really helping me is it is genuinely, for me, the perfect hybrid of being able to do all of my planning and tracking my lists in like a mobile thing, in a mobile device, which I wanted to make work, I knew that the pen and paper planners that I've loved in the past, I don't know, Kelly, I kind
0: of fell out of <gasps> sync with the planning. Oh, really? I, know. I didn't know. See, I've never been there. So I've been yeah. fascinated by yeah. people who do it. And I understand, yes. but I didn't know that you had kind of slowly backslidden. I'm a backslidden journaler at this
1: yeah. point. Yes. I think it was just the portability factor. It's kind of like how I thought I would never, ever, ever read books on Kindle because I just loved the experience of reading it in print. Mm -hmm. And then once I realized, oh, but this means I can have a book with me literally wherever I am and I don't have to remember to bring it with me because it's right there on my device. It's kind of the same with the Freeform app. Now I have my lists, my plans, everything right there in my devices. Now, one thing that I will say is not perfect in my current setup is I still cannot figure out how to sync everything from my calendars into my mm. notes that I'm writing in my digital note-taking things. So that's still a gap. And if anybody has a good way to <laughs> to do that, please do reach out and let me know. But let me show you. So on my iPad, I will open up, I don't know how much you're going to be able to see on this camp, yeah. No, I can see, see it. it there
0: once you pull it in.
1: So here's my list for today, and so again, it's just like a regular
0: to do. So you're list. writing it. You're using like a stylus or your I'm finger. I'm writing it. It's not typing. You are actually handwriting on your screen your things.
1: Yeah, which is why I'm loving it in the iPad because I do have an Apple Pencil, and so okay, I will handwrite it out just like I would normally grab a piece of scratch mm-hmm. paper or a post it or something like that and make a note by hand. Now I do that in Freeform on that iPad. But then while I'm out and about, I can also, because again, the magic of syncing in the iCloud, open my mm-hmm. Freeform app on my phone and the same thing shows up. Now, the only bad thing is, of course, you can't use an Apple Pencil on your iPhone. And so what I have been doing is you can either, well, this isn't really working on camera, but you can tap the button to get the little markup tool. Yep. Mm-hmm. So if I'm just like marking things off a list or making a quick note, I can just use my finger. Or in Freeform, you can also create a sticky note and you can type onto nice. the sticky note. So I've also used that as needed when I'm out and about. But to have my daily boring humdrum to-do lists where I can just access it no matter where I am and kind of keep them all centralized in one app, I, know. I have learned that this is the system I've been looking for. I didn't even know I needed it. And Apple has, they're just like, here, it's on your devices now. So use it.
0: <laughs> I know. and I, See, this is the thing. So I have been a digital person for a long time because of the syncing. Like you said, the ability to say, I can access it on my phone. I can access it on my computer. I can access it even on my work computer by logging into iCloud.com. It's so yeah. easy. So I've used notes in the same way that you're talking about using mm-hmm, Freeform, mm-hmm. right? So it looks like Freeform enables you to do maybe more things. I don't even know, but for sure to just write in an easier way. And I feel like I'm going to try it. But I feel like for me, my handwriting has gotten so bad. And also holding a pencil exacerbates carpal tunnel. So I'm way quicker at typing. So it's easier for me to type everything up. It also doesn't have a obvious sync though, with the calendar, like you're talking about in notes, yes, you know, like I just every yes. week when I'm making a list of to do things, kind of, I break it up by days. So I just pull my yes. calendar up and then I'm like, okay, you know, record sort of awesome with Meg at 10. I've got this meeting for work yep. at 11. I just have to add everything in. And that's okay yes. for me because it kind of also yeah. helps me to go, Oh, wow. I just put a lot of stuff on Wednesday. <laughs> that's a busy mm-hmm. day. Even just something yes. about the fact of having to transfer it versus it just being there clues me in. Yes. But the idea that you can write it, I think, helps you better with brainstorming or I want to try to use it for things like I'm working on a meal plan or, you know, like you said, it's notes that you're taking.
1: Exactly. It has been revolutionary for me. But I do think if you've got a good system going in notes,
0: you may not be that blown away. I never want somebody to be like, you have to get off of a paper planner. But lots of times I hear people say what I want is a paper planner that can do these things. And I'm like, that's a digital planner. Mm -hmm. So I think it's cool that you found something that works for you because it is so nice to have it with you all the time. That's the key. So good. Okay. What else do you got for us? Okay. So I am bringing something. This is kind of a twofer in some ways. So I read a book this winter. It's called Awe, The New Science of Everyday Wonder and How It Can Transform Mm -hmm. Your Life. It's Mm -hmm. written by University of California, Berkeley, Professor Dr. Keltner. He is a Sociology, psychology professor who studies emotions. Like he was one of the key people that Pixar tapped, which they're right there. So Pixar tapped him for Inside Out when they were first like Mm -hmm. researching how emotions work in the human and what emotions are important. And a lot of his study has been on like happiness, but that led him to think about the fact that awe is a unique emotion and it hasn't been studied much. And so this book is obviously nonfiction. It's his kind of research. He's, but into awe and why we need it as humans Mm. and why we're especially like, as we just talked in this digital age, there's so many good things about it. But he's like, we are losing touch with awe. We don't have Mm. it in our everyday life. And he even kind of wonders if why some of the problems we're seeing with younger kids, like with Gen Z, even or Gen Alpha, feeling higher rates of anxiety and depression might be because of all this digital stuff is great, but we don't have natural places for them to experience awe. Traditionally, awe would have been something that you experienced in a church, you know, in a spiritual setting for most people. And those things are also changing. Access to the outdoors isn't easy for everybody. So this is really his plea to say, we need more awe. Your family needs more awe and what it does to us as humans. So if you guys don't have time to go read the book, I highly recommend it. But we also did the reason, of course, that I know about it is because we did a show at NPR at Minnesota Public Radio where I work with Docker. And so it was one of my favorite interviews that we've done this year. I will put a link in the show notes to our interview with him. So you could listen to that 50-minute interview and you're gonna get a real good feel for his research, for the book, for why he says scientifically we can measure this in the brain. They did all of these crazy but cool experiments where they had older people after you get to be about 70, 80 or so. I think it's 80. Your happiness goes down. You mm-hmm. kind of are unhappy until about 50 and then you have peak happiness is in the middle part of okay. life. And they kind of yeah. theorize because that's usually when most people are done actively parenting, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. And you've also just hopefully gotten a good sense of yourself and of growth and you're kind of established, and you're able to start looking out. So they worked with older people where they asked them just to go out and think about awe in a daily walk, kind of like a gratitude practice, like notice things and how much happier they got and how much gentler they got. It does, it changes us. I know things like a gratitude journal sounds hokey to some people, but they really work. It's kind of like they yoga, do. you know, like it's yes. one of those things that you might be tired of hearing people say like, oh yeah, I know I, everybody talks about it but it really does. It rewires our brain and they can see that in a lab. So it was a really fantastic book and made me think about how I can create moments or build or look for moments of awe in my own life. And he really defines awe. Awe has to be a sense of smallness in the sense of grandeur. So he's like, it's not just beauty. Like people will be like, oh, I saw these beautiful, like in California right now, they're having this super bloom, right? these fields of wildflowers that have come because of all of the rain this year. He's like, it's not appreciating beauty. Like that's close to awe, but it's not awe. Okay. Awe makes you feel like simultaneously small and held by something bigger than yourself. Oh, wow.
1: I know. to oh, start crying. <laughs> that's so beautiful. It
0: is. And he lost his brother, who he's very close to. His brother died of cancer around the time he was writing this book. And so there's a lot of really beautiful stories of how grief, you know, like brings you into awe. That's one of the things that people around the world reported brought them the most awe was the goodness of people. So he's like, it doesn't have to be standing under a starry sky or being at the Grand Canyon, you know, like those sorts of things that you might think about. It can just be other people. But it's really a great book, a great idea and concept. And I've actually seen several other books that have crossed my desk that are very similar this year. Mm -hmm. So like there's one that's called Wonder. And those ideas. And here's the other thing. This is why I said a twofer because it made me think about this. As you know, we went to Florida for spring break in March and we spent one day, one very expensive day at Universal. We went to both parks because we wanted to go to both islands of adventure. I think I don't remember the other one. I think the other one's just Universal theme park because we wanted to go to both Harry Potter worlds. That was the real Mm -hmm. reason we were there. Mm -hmm. And I'm a Harry Potter nerd. So I was excited, not like, Obsessed, but you know, like I was excited. But what those types of theme parks do when they recreate a world that you've only lived in in your head, and I would say Disney is the best at this. But Mm -hmm. I felt this same kind of magic at Universal too. It felt kind of like a sense of awe of being like, I can't believe. I mean, it's not real, you know, it's not real, real. But like Mm -hmm. you're surrounded by it. So the very first ride we did was called The Escape from Gringotts. And it's like you're going down into the bank and you're getting in a cart and it's like a roller coaster, sort of a ride through things. And it was amazing. But just the experience of walking through Gringotts and all the little details of the goblins that were at the bank and then going down into like the dungeons and the things that were there, all the little details the Universal has thought of. I got weepy. My kids were like, please tell me you are not going to (laughs) cry. you know, like that's embarrassing. But I was like, it is yes. magic that this world that you've lived in in your head and has meant a lot to you becomes real. And I felt the same thing at Disney. Like when you walk into a Star Wars area and you've loved Star Wars yeah. and stormtroopers walk by you and all the people who are there in character, it's just such a sense of wonder and childlikeness. And I was like, man, I need more of that. I came back from Universal yes. and for about a week, watched Harry Potter movies. Cause I was like, I was just trying to cling to that feeling of of magic, and I was like, those Mm -hmm. types of experiences. Now you don't have to go to a theme park, you know. I know that that's not always accessible for everybody, but man, it filled up my soul in a way that I didn't know that I was dry for. Oh, oh my gosh! Yeah. So you can check out the book definitely. Like, if you're a Harry Potter person or you have a Harry Potter family, it is so much money, you guys. But it was kind of worth it. It was so fun to see those moments where the imaginary becomes real.
1: Everything that you're saying is reminding me so much of the conversation I just had with Rebecca when we were talking about this sacred or spiritual aspect of going to like a big concert, like a Harry Styles concert, a Taylor Swift concert. That idea of being one small part of a bigger thing Mm -hmm. and collectively experiencing that, that's really beautiful. And I would not have thought to put the word awe to that, Absolutely. Yes. Yes. I can see how that would translate. So good. Okay. I'm going to give you like a quick fire bullet pointed list of three short things that I've learned lately. Okay. A lot of them have to do with the fact of just coming to peace with the fact that I'm 45. Here I am, right in my mid forties and that things are different. Number one, I'm learning that when it comes to makeup, like truly less is more. I find I'm wearing fewer products And yet people are more often noticing and being like, your makeup looks really good or just noticing. And I'm finding like your skin really does change. And instead of trying to hang on to how it used to work to just be open, try new things and might be surprised that, yeah, can do less. Still looks great. So that. Love that. Yes. Number two, I know that you shared that after the Florida trip that, you know, took a while to bounce back. (laughs) After my Dallas trip, Kelly, I could not believe. It took me like a solid week to just feel like I could think straight again. I don't even really want to say I was like brain fog, but I guess that would be kind of the closest thing. I just felt like I was out of it. I felt like I was just so unproductive. I was really tired. And so I guess I'm realizing maybe it's part of getting older. I don't know. But I need so much more recovery time from things than I ever thought that I would need.
0: <laughs> I know. I feel this too. I do think it's aging, but I could be wrong because I feel that so much. I mean, I still have a lot of energy compared to a lot of people. They're like, well, you're doing a lot. And I'm like, I like it. I feel like a lot of energy. But that recovery, yes. when I do a lot of energetic output. I used to bounce back quicker. And so just yes. accepting, right? It's accepting like this is just what it is and it's fine and building it in. Yes, I was so grateful because I hadn't really built it in when we came back from spring break, but just it worked where my work schedule wasn't super intense. And so I could take some of that yes. extra time to just be like, I'm just going to sleep or move really slowly. Do you move slow where I'm like, I yes. feel like because of the brain fog a little bit, maybe yeah, like a sloth. I'm like, I'm going to make some coffee, you know, like everything feels slow. And it's just the speed I can move at that point. That's as much as I can do.
1: Yes. I mean, I'm a pretty slow person to begin with. So you can imagine if I was running slowly, it was probably alarming for people (laughs) in my life. But the last one comes back to what we were talking about at the beginning and that I'm just remembering how both thrilling and also stressful it can be to be a beginner at something. And so, you know, if we've been making Sort of Awesome for eight years, I feel like I know audio production in my sleep now. It's a language system that I inhabit and I can speak easily. I'm so comfortable with it. To move into video has been a lot of learning curve, a lot of just having to be okay, just like I was okay in the beginning of Sort of Awesome in 2015 if not every single thing was perfect, I knew there was going to be mistakes. I'm having to go back to that place of being a beginner. And it's been really good Mm. to learn those new skills, to think about things in a different way, to just be a beginner, not have to be perfect, to be open to learning. I haven't had that experience in a while, it feels like. And so It's feeling pretty great, although it does come with stress because I do like to do everything perfectly from the beginning, but it's been really good. And I do wonder if at some point, as we do get older, if we need to like be more intentional about being beginners, about something to help keep our brains active and engaged and to just continue to use those muscles of learning so that they don't atrophy. I don't know. It's just something I'm wondering about, but it feels really good to try something new is what I would say, I guess.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think that that's the cool thing. I do think we need to do it more as we get older. Like we just need to be open to it. But I think that the cool thing about learning something new when you get older is you already have a sense of it's going to be okay. Like I'm going to fail. Yes. And I'm going to look stupid and I don't care. Where when you're yeah. young, at least for me, like I was so aware, so self-conscious all the time, painfully mm. so. That trying something new, I couldn't lean into it. I couldn't enjoy it for what it was because you're like, oh, you know, like I didn't get it. And, oh, are people watching? And I look stupid. So you're always thinking that. And I think when you get older, because you just released some of that, hopefully, you're like, yeah. "Eh." I mean, you do still feel like, oh, I wish it could be better, but you can give yourself more grace and enjoy the process more instead of feeling uptight about it. You know, it's that beginner's mind that they talk about in Buddhism. The idea of that that you start anew every minute, really embracing what that means. It's not that you are having to forget what you already know. You know, it's really just having that attitude of I'm still learning, it's going to be okay. Yes. It's a humility that you don't know it all mm-hmm. yet and that you're open. Yes, yeah. very much
1: so. So it's been really good to I learn that. that again. Kelly and I have even more things to share with you, things that we've been learning. We're gonna get to those. When we come right back. Okay, friends, you know what time it is. Time for a discussion amongst us grown up awesomes. You know, Kelly and I are talking today about things that we have been learning. Um, one of my favorite things that I personally have learned in the past year is that better sex starts with FORIA. Even for those of you who may not think you need a little extra help in the bedroom, you're going to be pleasantly surprised by how much better and more pleasurable your sexual experiences can be with FORIA. FORIA is using all natural and plant based ingredients to Intensify sexual pleasure and relieve discomfort. And I really think that's why they have such a fanatical cult following with tens of thousands of people, including and especially a number of you awesomes who have had your sex lives transformed. Gruforia's products. If I've said it once, I've said it a hundred times, I'm going to send you straight to the Awaken Arousal Oil. I promise you guys, whether you are just looking for like a little pick-me-up in the bedroom, or if you are needing some more intensive help, Awaken Arousal Oil is a great place to start. So yes, you guys have my permission to try this. I fully endorse you to go ahead and treat yourself to more, deeper, fuller pleasure, wherever you can find it and as often as possible. And you can start with a bottle of Foria. Foria is offering a special deal just for you awesomes. Get 20% off your first order by visiting foriawellness.com slash awesome, or just use code awesome at checkout. That's f-o-r-i-a wellness.com forward slash awesome For 20% off your first order, I recommend trying their Awaken Arousal Oil and the Sex Oil together. You're going to thank me later. Okay, we are back and we are sharing today the things that we have been learning lately. Kelly, you are always so good to encourage us to think about what we're thinking about. And so we've been talking about the things we've been learning lately. What else
0: have you been learning that you can share with us? Okay, so I'm going to share two things actually that I wrote down as I was listening to a podcast recently, because they so blew my mind that I was like, wait a minute, wait, stop, stop. I need to write that down so that I can think about it. They were both from the same podcast though, and they're similar. Actually, we were just talking about kind of like the Buddhist idea of beginner's mind. This was a podcast I listened to. It's with Maya Balik's Breakdown, if you're aware of that podcast. She was talking to Timber Hawkeye, who is known by his screen name, if you will, on social media, Buddhist Bootcamp. So he is a guy who is a Buddhist, but in a unique way, I would say. He makes a lot of Buddhist teachings pretty accessible. And he had this to say, I'm going to leave this one a little bit here because I'm still thinking about it, but it's definitely blew my mind. He said, the opposite of love is judgment. And I was like, wait, what? Because I feel like the way I grew up, judgment was the core of everything. Like the faith that I grew up in was you were judged. God was a God of judging. We were expected to judge ourselves and we judged everybody around us. We found you wanting or not, you know, we had the standards. And so we would judge you, especially hard to do when it's interior. But, you know, like I just remember back and I'll be very vulnerable here. Like this was back in the 90s when Amy Grant first got divorced. Oh, yes. The number of talk about like, why did she get divorced? What was really happening in that marriage? Because could we stamp it or not? Could we say like, that's a valid divorce or that was a selfish and unreasoned spiritual reason to get divorced? Yes. Not our business, right? But Mm -hmm. it literally never even occurred to me that it wouldn't be our business because that was our whole worldview was judging. Yes. And I don't even mean like always to condemn to help, but it was just like everything right and wrong was up to us to decide. Yes. So the idea that that's the opposite of love. Mm, Gosh. Like I said, I don't have a whole lot of other words to say about it other than I'm still letting that truth kind of break open a lot in me. Mm. Do you want to say something about that? You're like,
1: no, I'm just like, whoa, that is so true. And we did come from similar spiritual and faith and religion backgrounds. So I'm just thinking that the Amy Grant example is perfect. Like, There was so much judging. And then also the conclusion that you came to in your judging sort of served to reflect how pious you were, I guess, for lack of a better word. I can remember my parents having a big moral dilemma about if we could continue to listen to Amy Grant's music after her divorce. And like, these are the formative things that are happening that are teaching you how to be in the world. And so, yes, to hear the very profound truth that the opposite of love is judgment. I'm just, yeah,
0: I'm going to be sitting with that for a while. So thank you for passing that on. Yeah. Well, and especially when I look back, we were like, no, we're loving, but we also judged. So like, there's a dissonance Mm -hmm. there that I kind of come to grapple with. And so I think that this, when Timbers said this statement, it kind of crystallized something for me. That's why I say, so it was like, wait, this is why I felt dissonance about it. Yeah. Is that they don't line up. The other thing he said, and I thought this was so good and it can just apply to so many things, is that mindfulness doesn't make people less irritating. It just makes <laughs> you less irritable. Yeah. And I was like, yes, that's it. I feel like the reason I wanted to talk about this as being something I'm learning is that it kind of synthesizes a lot of what I see happening at the age I am, which is that lots of times, like my questions before used to be, Like my kids are bugging me (laughs) Mm -hmm. or in this relationship, like this person, how do I get them to stop? Or, you know, like, how can I correct their behaviors or how do we, you know, fix this conflict? And it's not that those things don't still need to be done, but that Mm -hmm. what mindfulness does, which has become so important to me, the idea of like meditation and mindfulness and in a non-judging way is it makes you less irritable. So it doesn't change them. You know, your kids that are annoying you might still be exactly the same, but this is one technique you can use to make the situation better. I say with air quotes, if you can practice a way that you aren't going to be as irritable, it's like mental magnesium, right? Yeah. Like for your soul, we've talked about how magnesium can help if you're a sensitive person and like the noise and the clamor, it can just kind of help to make it not feel like it's all ringing your bell all the time.
1: -hmm. The same thing takes the
0: edge off. Yes, Mm -hmm. mindfulness is the same idea that in your soul, it's like putting a soft towel around a bell. You know, it's just it changes. So that thing is still going to ring. Like the little kids in there, they might still be yelling, or your teenager might still be giving you sass. But it's going to hopefully help you not be as responsive, be able to be more. You know, synced up with your own breath, with your own feelings, with where you are, and your rootedness so that you can respond. Yes, so I was like, man, it's just that idea of which I like because I have the power then. I can't control mm-hmm. other people, but here's something that I yes. can do to get me through kind of the other days. So I feel like it's one of those lessons that, again, kind of like the love and judgment thing, is just going to keep sinking down into my life mm-hmm. as it's like one of those truths that I can see applied in lots of different ways.
1: That's what I'm learning. Oh my goodness, that is so powerful. I'm going to be chewing on that for a while. So thank you for bringing that. The last thing I wanted to share is kind of two things, I guess. And I've shared some of this on social media, but I just keep thinking about it because it becomes more and more like in technicolor in my life. And I think a big part of that is having kids who are older, who are coming into their own. Daisy's about to graduate. She graduates from high school next month. So this has been on my mind a lot, but even seeing it all the way down to my younger children is how I have learned to become so much more unattached to who they are and the choices that they are making as people and to really be able to step back and realize like, this is their journey. Mm -hmm. It's not my journey. I got to be a co-creator in bringing them into embodying life on this planet. And I realize it's a balance. I'm not saying that we're just like, okay, go figure it out for yourself. Right. But that thing of recognizing like they're here to learn their own lessons, they mm-hmm. are here to pursue what is meant for them for this lifetime that is stretching ahead of them. And I can remember early in parenting hearing about this idea of, you know, we're here to construct scaffolding around our kids so that, you know, we kind of give them this framework as they're growing up. And I think that continues to be so true, but it's like scaffolding doesn't stay up forever. You know, eventually the scaffolding has to come down and Mm -hmm. the thing that has been being built is ready to be its thing. And I just think I've been thinking about that so much. And I do think it does connect a lot back, Kelly, to like our shared similarities in our upbringing where i don't know that i experienced my own parents being this way maybe a little bit maybe more than i probably am conscious and aware of but certainly seeing other parents other people that i knew in our faith community that would be so devastated by choices that their adult children were making and they weren't immoral or like harmful choices they were just different choices than what their parents had what they felt like raised them to <laughs> make certain kind of choices and that was my only context for parenting children who are coming into their own into their adulthood was either they turn out the way we parented them to be or we're failures and or they're failures or like I don't know. It's just it's a whole new world of just really being able to appreciate that they're all here living their own life story. And yes. I don't know.
0: I feel like I'm just saying the same thing over and over now because it's really been profound for me. It's true, though. I mean, I'm just sitting here with a stupid grin on my face because it's definitely something (laughs) that I'm still learning. And it's so beautiful, too. I think that's the cool thing. And it is a shift, right? When they're really little, you can kind of mentally know this is true, but it's a different world. Like You have more scaffolding, you have more control. It's really through those teenage years. Especially at the beginning when you're first doing it, you're with your oldest Mm -hmm. kids, you're like, okay, I don't know what my role is and it's weird. But then you kind of get to a point where you're like, oh, wait, no, I see. Mm -hmm. My role is to step back (laughs) and to love without judgment, you know? So to say what you do as a career, whether you go to college or not, who you partner with, where you live, like these are not my concerns. I do have a few things that I would like for you. Like I want you to be happy and healthy. Like I want you to be a thriving human. But how that looks and what that means can be very different. What gets you there can be very different. But outside of that, like I don't care anymore. And there's so much freedom in that. And you can really start to appreciate. And in some ways, even I don't want to say feel sorry for But just like there's a lot of tenderness, I think. I'm like, oh, man, it's hard being 20. Mm -hmm. I remember, you know, like in my own journey, that was hard and saying like, you can do it. And being kind of glad that I'm not responsible for them anymore. You know, like, I don't have to hold this tight control and be like, ah, they're 20 and they're making all the, ah, Mm -hmm. like, just be like, well, it is what it is. And they're going to figure it out and they're going to learn from it and they're going to learn their own lessons. And my great responsibility and joy is just to walk next to them and offer a cool glass of water.
1: Yes, Mm -hmm. that is so true. (laughs) That's a really good word picture for it (laughs) too, for sure. And then the last thing I think is somewhat related in the sense of having new understandings about things. And I think I've just been learning so much that everything that feels so right and true in terms of our understanding of the human soul and the experience of that, or I'm learning for myself, I am coming to believe it's so much bigger and there's so much that we can only have a glimpse of in this current life, in this embodied bodies. A lot of that learning has come to me in experiencing, continuing to experience the loss of my mom. And yes, definitely there's grief, there's mourning there. But in a lot of ways, Kelly, like I feel more connected in a spirit way with my mom than I could have ever dreamed. Like. Random things will happen where, for example, going back to the daily yoga thing, this was early on back in January when I was very first starting. And, you know, Adrian's talking you through find what feels good, you know, like all these different movements and stuff. And like I had a very intense and felt very real in that moment feeling of like my mom experiencing that particular yoga practice with me. Which, if you have listened for a while, you know that my mom had. Extremely limited mobility for decades because of multiple sclerosis, and so this idea that the spirit continues on and continues to experience things—I don't know. Don't pin me down and try to be like, "What do you mean specifically?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like that. Tell me. Everything. I don't know. You're like, "I this is, this is all I know. This is like what I just said.
0: This is just it." But it's
1: intriguing, isn't it? It is, and there's like these little moments of synchronicity where. Here's another example, which may not be that meaningful to people, but it was really meaningful to me. So my mom loved hummingbirds for years and years and years and years, had hummingbird feeders hanging outside the house. Like hummingbirds were her thing. And I hadn't really thought about this consciously, but I haven't seen a single hummingbird since she died. And yesterday, I'm just like scrolling through the TikToks as you do, and this TikTok live came on my feed as I'm scrolling through. And it's this lady, and I don't know how she does this, but she like has tame hummingbirds. I have seen she was, like people has a like glove this. on. Yes. Okay. So she has a glove on and she's like holding the base of a hummingbird feeder. And there's like four hummingbirds sitting yes. <laughs> sitting That's on right. her hands, like getting drinks. And she's named them and stuff. And so the camera on TikTok is like showing these hummingbirds up close. And I was just like Oh, that was so great. Like that little moment of like, I haven't seen a hummingbird. And now here's here's four or five tame ones on TikTok. I don't know. All of these little moments where I feel that connectedness to mm. my mom is bringing so much comfort. And I think the fact that I'm open to receiving that instead of having like a very firm and fixed mindset about the afterlife or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just learning that
0: there's just so much that we just don't even know. And I'm really okay with that. Yes. It sounds like a beginner's mind idea. Yeah. When it comes to, yeah. you know, death and what comes after. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah.
1: Okay. Well, this was really fun to get to talk through with you, Kelly. Yeah, Thank you so much for this idea. Like I said, maybe we can just make a little series. Yeah. I'm up for that. I'm always learning something. Yeah. <laughs> If people do want to come talk to you about food or anything that you're
0: into that you talk about on the show or whatever, where can we find you all around the web? You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at kellygordonmn, or you can find my website kellygordonmn.com. There's recipes there and also the social media links. If you're just like, I don't remember, you can just click it through.
1: (laughs) Okay. You can find me at Sort of Awesome Meg on social media. You can find the show Sort of Awesome by searching Sort of Awesome whatever platform you're on, we'd love to have you join us there. Awesome. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see y'all next time. Seeking the truth never gets old.